Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Highmark Church Podcast. Our heartbeat is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we pray this message encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you pursue the purpose Jesus has for you. I've never listened to more Kanye West in my life than I have this week. I can just be honest. I'm putting it out there. Kanye released an album called Jesus is King. Probably every pastor in America has mentioned it because, man, that guy, I've watched the videos and I've listened to the music, and he proclaims the name of Jesus. You know, I can honestly say that I've never really consciously listened to a Kanye song before, and I was skeptical or I was curious about what was going on, and I was excited to see, but, man, I want to just celebrate what God is doing in his life. And I love the boldness with which he's proclaiming that, and he's saying Jesus is king. He didn't even mince words on the album. He just put it right in there. Jesus is king. And I love that because we're in a series right now that we're talking about the kingdom of God coming. And last week we talked about how the kingdom of God is not some far off place. We can think about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as a far off place. It's distant place. No, the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is near and it's now. You see, when Jesus came onto the scene, he came and he said, I'm bringing the kingdom of God. He said, I'm restoring right now and making things right through you uh, and restoring the relationship that you can have with God. And he initiated what was broken up in the garden in, in between Adam and Eve, and they were separated from God. And and, uh, and Jesus started the kingdom of God and brought it near again. And so Jesus uh, was reestablishing that kingdom. And the kingdom of God is in us, and it is us. So our job, it, it, it doesn't stop. It's not like we just receive Jesus and then we're just the holders and the possessors of his kingdom and, and his grace and his mercy in our life. No, that actually means that when we bring, uh, we, we uh, initiate and bring the kingdom of God into our life, it now puts us on mission. That we're the ones that are in proximity to all of the people in our life. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or a friend or, or someone that God has just crossed paths with you. That he's extending the reach of the kingdom of God through you. You see, he's put a light in you. He's put the, his goodness in you. And he's doing a work in you. And it's not perfect. And you're not uh, 100% yet. But God is faithful. And he's guiding you. And he's leading you. And so then that means that we are carriers then of the kingdom of God. So last week as we were talking about this, uh, we just talked about that our job is simple. It's Our job is to bring the kingdom of God near. That is what we do. We bring the kingdom of God near, and there should always be a priority to the kingdom of God in our life. Now, you might think, well, what does that mean? What does that mean, the kingdom of God? Well, listen, the kingdom of God is what is his work that he's doing in our midst. It's not just a place that he's preparing in heaven and we're waiting. Okay, one day we're going to get there, and I'm looking up to heaven, and I'm waiting for it. No, the kingdom of God is happening in our midst. It's happening through our gatherings as a church. It's happening, happening in our small groups, our life groups as they meet and we pray with each other. We study God's word. We hang out. We have fun. And God is bringing the kingdom of, uh, uh, near through uh, one another, through our relationships with one another. But he says that it's on us to seek the kingdom of God. This is what Matthew 6, says. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything he needs. L look, look at it with me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Man, 
The Bible doesn't say, hold on with me today, like buckle up because you're, you're going to go for a ride this morning, okay? So the Bible doesn't say seek sometimes. It doesn't say seek when you feel it. It doesn't say seek when it's convenient. Seek where it fits in your schedule. Seek where it uh, works or where it fits in your lifestyle. It says, man, seek it above all else. So then there's an elevated priority than we have to make the kingdom of God in our life. Now, I think it's easy to pursue all the other kingdoms in our life. It's easy to pursue our family, and, and those are good things too, but uh, it's easy to pursue our career. It's easy to pursue, uh, you know, making more money and wealth. And, uh, but the Bible says here that there's a priority, that it has to be a priority. And it's not obligatory. It's not that I'm like, okay, I've got to do it, or this is what my family's done, so I'm always doing it, and I go to church. No, the kingdom of God isn't like that. God's not looking for that obligatory, uh, like us just saying, okay, I'm doing it out of, I, I'm supposed to do it, or I have to do it. No, God's looking for it out of the desire of our heart. Man, that's challenging to me. And if I'm honest, that's challenging to live out on a regular basis. It's Easy to read a scripture like that and think, okay, yeah, I got to do that. But man, Monday through Friday, how do I seek the kingdom of God? How do I make it a priority? We have a little joke in our marriage. Jamie and I will be laughed sometimes because we'll cross paths at home. And Jamie will just say to me, you look like you need a hug. But that's code, okay? So I never need a hug, okay? Like God has blessed me of like, I, I don't mind hugs, but I'm not like always pursuing them. I'm not, it's just not in my gifts, my gift, whatever. God didn't create me with that, the hug gene, okay? I'm glad to hug people. I love it. If you hug me, I will enjoy it. But I often or rarely even just find myself saying, I need a hug right now. But you know what? It's code that Jamie needs a hug in that moment. So we laugh, I laugh, but sometimes she'll catch me off guard and she'll say, you look like you need a hug. And my mind is going another direction. I'm thinking about something else. I'm talking about something and she'll just come give me a hug and I'll wrap my arms around her. But then she'll, with her spidey sense, wife sense, realize that my hug isn't like authentic. It was more of just a requirement or it's more an obligation. And I've experienced this. If you have teenage kids, you're going to experience the same thing, that they're going to hug you, but out of obligation. There's not really, Andrew will do it all the time. He'll hug me and he'll give me a couple taps on the back, but then he almost wants to shove me away right after that. But in her spidey sense, she's like, no, hug me. Hug me. I realize, okay, I have to engage. I have to think about this. And I, I, I give her a hug. I, I squeeze her a little tighter. I was just reminded about that because we have to work at a relationship, right? We have to uh, know how to approach it and how, how, we, how to cultivate it in our life. And just the same as in that situation, that God doesn't want us to do this begrudgingly. He's not looking for us to punch a ticket or just do this because it's what we do and it's our custom. No, he's wanting us to do something out of the desire, out of, a, out of a, our relationship with him that comes from our heart. And the same is that, that God wants to do something. The same is true of our relationships with him. We have to just be open to it. We have to open up to him. You know what? God will transform us then. God will work through us. And we have to cultivate it. And I want to read a scripture this morning in Mark 
chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there, and we're going to read a couple different sections this morning, a little bit longer uh, sections, but I, I feel like it's important for us to grasp what, when Jesus is teaching and talking about the kingdom of God, he talks about how we have to cultivate it. He doesn't talk about how we have to be the ones that make all the effort or that we do it all or that we're, we're responsible to make it all happen. No, his spirit is working through us. But we also have a responsibility to cultivate what God could do in our life. We have to put ourselves in the position and in the place where we're ready to receive what God has. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 9. That's what I want to read first. Because Jesus tells a parable here about a farmer, and he says, this. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun. Then it says, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they could produce no grain. And then still other seed, though, it says, fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted and they grew. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 uh, times as much as what had been planted. And then Jesus said, he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, what's interesting about this, and we're going to continue to just a couple verses in just a moment. What's interesting about this parable is it's the only teaching and the only moment in Scripture where Jesus is before people and he bookends it with a command. The first command was, listen, exclamation point. And then he said, if anyone with ears to hear, they should listen and then they should understand. And that word listen there is a command. It's not just a suggestion or him saying, hey, if it's a good idea to tune into this. No, he's actually giving a command and he's, he's bringing emphasis that listen to this, like grasp this, like understand this, get this inside of you. And he's saying, listen, pay attention and understand it. Now, as with the disciples, sometimes happens, we all probably experience this, we read something in scripture and we have a hard time understanding it. We have a hard time realizing what is going on when Jesus even tells a parable like this. But he's talking about the kingdom of God and actually just a few verses later, he unpacks and he describes and he tells what, what this story means. And this is what, if you go to verse 14 with us, this is what it says. It says Jesus is explaining it then and he says the farmer plant seed by taking God's word to others. And the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away, that it's just gone. It's just, it doesn't take root. It doesn't have a place to grow. The seed on the, on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. That's what it says. And then it says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and preserve a, uh, excuse me, produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. So Jesus is explaining right here that, listen, the seed that is falling represents different people and their response to the good news, to the gospel. 
and I, I want you to get this, the problem is not with the seed. The problem, what Jesus is identifying here, is with the soil. He's identifying that the word of God is living and active. I'm thankful that we can read the word of God and, it, and we can discover the, the heartbeat of God. We can grow in wisdom. Uh, we can understand how God thinks and, and we can grow our heart closer to him. And I'm thankful for that, that there's good news and there's hope and there's peace in his word. But the problem is not the seed and the word that is going forth. Jesus is identifying that there's a soil problem here. He's identifying that the problem is with the soil. And I want to talk about how we cultivate the kingdom of God in our life. Now, uh, last year we moved into a house and uh, we got new sod put all on our yard. And, and, and the house, uh, uh, the builder put all the sod out and I, I was just like loving. I was like never lived in a house where all the grass just looks so green and so nice and so pretty. But it wasn't long after uh, we moved in that we started noticing some places where the grass was dying and we had watered the grass sufficiently. And I had actually had someone come and look at it and he said, listen, it's actually there's a fungus growing. And he said what's happening is actually there's too much water. There's so much clay underneath the sod that the grass is having trouble taking root and that the, the water is just sitting on top of the clay and it's causing the grass to, to grow a fungus. It's just rotting. It's sitting there rotting. And he, he pointed out to me that we have a, a, uh, a clay or a ground or a soil issue that we need a remedy. We can do some things to do it. And he said, listen, if you don't do it, you're just going to struggle. You're going to have the same things and same problems. And so he said, listen, uh, here's what you should do. And you should get someone to do this and that. And, uh, and you should spray this on it and do this. And, and so I followed that, that game plan. And I just realized that if I wanted to see this grow and actually take root and, and make it and see it happen, that I've got to do something about it, that it was my responsibility, that I got to step into it. And, and I love that picture because uh, that Jesus is talking about this in terms of uh, farming and not many of us are farmers nowadays but in Jesus's time a lot of people it was an agricultural uh, society and a, a lot of people would have experienced it uh, uh, farming and would have understood this and ex understood the importance of the soil and and where the seed lands and in order for it to grow it needs the right environment and our job is to cultivate that right environment in our life. It's not to do the work and make it grow and do it all happen. That's God's part. But our job is to open up and just to cultivate and, and make ourselves available to what God wants to do. And I found that only sometimes do people really open up their heart to what God wants to do. But we gotta realize that it's our responsibility to just do something about it. And the good news is that Jesus helps us along the way. Let me give you a couple things. Jesus helps us cultivate good soil in our life. It's not on our own power and not on our own effort, but Jesus helps us cultivate good soil in our life. I love that in this story we see the, the full spectrum of soils. We see the, the trampled down soil that's compacted and it's hard on the outside. The footpath, it says, that this, the seed was scattered on. You know what happens? The seed was scattered on that and it says that Jesus, Jesus said that Satan steals it away. 
And what happens? There's no fruit that was produced. There's no harvest. There's no growth that comes from that. Then he says that there's some fell on the rocky soil, but the problem there was that there weren't deep roots, that there was rocks and, and things in the soil that kept it from growing deep. What happened, though? There was no fruit. There's no harvest. There's nothing that grew from that. And then the thorns, it says some of the seed fell into the thorns. And what happened? That there, there's uh, uh, no fruit is produced, that, that it was strangled out. By, by the weeds or by the thorns, that there was no space in his life. But the good soil, he says, there's the right ingredients. And he talks about that we need to hear and then accept. That word accept in, that, in verse 20 there says when we hear that about God and we accept it, it means that we receive it. It moves from just being knowledge. We all can know of God without knowing God. It moves from a knowledge just in our head to our heart. It, it, it becomes a sincere action. It becomes something inside of us. And so we have to give a priority in our life to cultivating what, what God wants to do in us. And that's really kind of what I want to just focus in on today. Because a priority in your life to the things of God will always yield a great harvest. It's going to yield a great return. We see that in this story and in this parable. And when we give priority to God, you're going to see him do things in your life and break through past hurts and things that you're struggling with or sin that, you keep, that keeps a grip on your life. You're going to see God break you through that and do something powerful in your life. But we have to give that a priority. We have to spend time in prayer in our life. We have to spend time reading God's word. We have to spend time in community and small groups uh, encouraging one another. We have to spend time coming together as a church to lift up the name of Jesus, uh, studying the word to God together, growing together, and cultivating uh, the soil of our church and, the, uh, and our, us as individuals and what God wants to do. And the power, though, comes when we just cultivate that space where God can work in our life. A lot of times we want to experience the power of God in a moment, but we haven't cultivated the space in our heart. We haven't cultivated the space in our life for God to work. And so then we come into moments and we're like, well, I don't really feel anything, or I don't know if God's speaking to me, or we don't know if, uh, what, what he wants to do, and, and, and we, we question and doubt the power and faithfulness of God, even when we hit difficult seasons and things like that. But the reality is, well, if we haven't cultivated the space for God to work in our life, then why would we expect him to work? We have to do our part. We have to do something about it. And I think if I can just challenge you right now and challenge all of our thinking is that we got to stop cultivating everything else first in our life. We got to stop cultivating everything else. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on in life. Sports and entertainment and vacations and uh, anything we can fill our schedule and our time with. And nothing's, nothing's wrong with those things, but what's wrong is when they become your priority. When you're living for that and you're, you're, you, that's the thing that is your number one in your life. And then you're missing out on what Matthew chapter 6 says. And it says that we got to seek first the kingdom of God. And that works 
with the kingdom of God, I've got something to do and I've got to cultivate what God, the soil that God can do something in my heart. And you have to just simply decide, you know what, I'm going to take this from the knowledge that's up here and I'm going to apply it to my everyday life. I'm going to bring it to my heart. I'm going to lean into what God has. I'm going to embrace what he wants to do in my life. And that's what we have to sometimes just make declarations. Salvation, when we accept Jesus Christ in our heart, is one of those moments. I think baptism is another one of those moments. It's a moment where we just simply have to declare, you know what? I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm drawing a line in the sand, so to speak. And I'm saying, listen, God is going to do something in my life. I want to see it. And the Apostle Paul talked about it because his life was radically transformed. And he said, I'm casting off my old self. I'm leaving it behind. And, and I'm putting on a new self. Like God's actively putting on something new. And, and he actually talked about it in terms of baptism. He says, because in baptism, it's like when we're dipped under the water, it's like we're signifying the death of Jesus Christ, that the old is dying, but that the victory is, is there, that it's overcome. And when we're raised out of the water, then that's the moment of victory. Like Christ was raised from the dead and he overcame death, hell, and the grave. That's a moment and signifies the moment where then we stand in victory for God. And I'm thankful that I don't have to do that on myself because Jesus helps me cultivate good soil in my life. I just have to accept it. Second thing Jesus does, we see in the scripture, is that he helps our good soil multiply. See, God's making a deposit in you. And there's a kingdom return on it. And we see in the scripture that it's, it's not just like two times or three times. Actually, the kingdom return is huge in this parable we see. That there would be seeds that were planted, uh, but the return would be 30 times what would be planted, 60 times what would be planted, even 100 times, and that's huge return. A few years ago, I, I like to mess around with the stock market, and I invest in stuff and uh, look at it and just have some fun, like, you know, watching stocks, and sometimes it works out really good, sometimes it works out really bad, but um, I remember a few years ago, I invested in this company called Zag. And they actually make screen protectors, so everyone that drop your phone and break it, thank you for blessing me. <laughs> I remember how excited I was uh, because I invested in this, and it was just a few dollars a share. And I bought a few, uh, some shares, and I was so excited because in the course of about four months, it tripled in value. And I thought, man, I was just, I just stumbled on it. Like, I didn't realize it, but it just tripled in value so quickly. And I was just so excited about that, the return on that. And I, I'm reminded, though, that, like, God's talking here about not three times return, but 30 and 60 and 100 times return here. That's amazing return. And I think when we look at what God is doing in us, that he's helping our good soil multiply, that we got to realize God is going to work through us as we lean into him. It's not just so that we get to be better people and God's working in our life, but he then he turns it outward. He says, listen, you're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You're going to produce fruit, that there's going to be fruit from that good soil. And sometimes you're going to invest time or you're going to invest money in your finances. Maybe you're going to invest energy and your, your, your hours and your time, your creativity. Maybe you're going to serve with, with excellence and you're just going to invest. You're going to produce fruit for the kingdom of God because of what God is doing. He's cultivating good soil in you and he's going to multiply it out. And I think we have to ask this question, though, is what harvest are we producing for the kingdom? 
What harvest are we producing for the kingdom? And that's a question I feel like we all have to wrestle with. We all are going to be there. That, God, what am I doing? What am I doing for the kingdom of God? And we're all going to wrestle with this. And it's a question I feel like I still wrestle with. So I don't sit up here saying, hey, I got this all figured out and I'm excellent at making everything, putting everything in the right order and making God and his kingdom the priority. Man, I struggle with that as well. But the reality is that we're on a battle and we're fighting here to make God our priority. So what, what are we producing? What fruit is producing out of our life? What harvest is coming is what we have to look for in the scripture. It's a question we all wrestle with. But I want to give you this takeaway today. It's real simple. See, what you cultivate in your life is what you'll replicate. If you're a parent, you know this already. You've probably lived it out because you have behaviors or tendencies or ways that you talk that you've realized that your kids have picked up on, good or bad. But you realize that, oh man, they do that little nuance that I do, or they say things like I say things, and they pick up on that. And what you cultivate in your life is going to be what you replicate. And I think I would love to see Highmark Church make a difference because we cultivate the kingdom of God in ourselves individually, but also in, in, the, in our church collectively, and that we see God's harvest and return over and over and over again. Romans 12, 11 is such a powerful scripture because it says, it reminds us this, says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It reminds us, God didn't call us to sit back. He didn't call us to slow down. He didn't call us to be somewhat committed. He called you to be a man of God. He called you to be a woman of God. He called you to be a devoted follower. He called you to be a world changer. He called you to go through a transformation where the way that you think and that you act and things you participate in life, that they change. And that's a work that he's gonna do. But you just have to fan the flame, it says. Timothy says that, he fan the flame, but never be lacking in a, a zeal and an excitement for what God is gonna do. Come expecting and reading and declaring the thing that he's gonna do in your life. I think sometimes we, we just have the priorities out of order. We don't realize that. We haven't made the declaration in our life. And today, maybe that declaration is a salvation declaration. Say, you know what, God, I need to give my heart to you. Maybe that declaration is, you know what, I need to be baptized today. I need to take that step today and be baptized then if that's what God's calling you to do, make the declaration. See, Highmark Church, we're going to celebrate and always celebrate and accelerate the kingdom of God. Thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at Highmark. Go online to highmark.church to get all the details and plan your visit. Remember, God has a high calling for your life, so keep pursuing your purpose.